table tonight here uh, starts with a microphone and it falls off and now he picks up the stand and it falls and so uh, might want to be careful of Luke this evening here for a little bit. Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, if you would stand with me as we read together the Word of God, Matthew chapter 5. And uh, so appreciate your faithfulness and it's just been a good day thus far uh, just to be around God's people. Don't you enjoy the family of God, the, the family that God has given to us? I love my church and in fact I, I think uh, we need to, uh, we just need to print us a banner. We'll have to do that. I love church. And uh, maybe we'll just put that banner back behind us uh, here. And uh, we'll have to think on that one. I love church. And I love my church. Love to be in church. And uh, so appreciate uh, you and your faithfulness just being here in the house of God. Matthew chapter 5. Let's read this together once again. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Uh, just curious, how many of you have memorized it already? Okay, any hands? Okay, uh, let's pick those numbers up. Let's work at it and, and uh, see if we can't get this memorized. Uh, you're going to make me preach on this another year if, uh, if you're not careful here. Uh, this is a, a, a tremendous passage of Scripture, and, and I, I believe it is so valuable and fitting for the day in which we live in right now. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. and Would you pray for this service tonight? You pray for your heart. Let's just yield ourselves right now. Just take some time to... Uh, just say, Lord, whatever you speak to me tonight, I want to be obedient to you. I want to follow you. need you to speak to me, Lord. I want to yield myself to you right now. Father, we thank you tonight. Just good to, to be here tonight. I thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness of, of your church here. And uh, Lord, just uh, so many people, service after service. I, I don't take this lightly, but uh, Lord, so grateful for it. And Lord, uh, I know that there are some here listening to us online tonight, and I pray, God, that uh, whether it be here or whether it be at home or uh, maybe it's sometime later, somebody will listen to this message. I pray, God, that uh, your spirit would just take this message and, and pierce it to the heart. And Lord, it just seems that the days that we're headed to, this message is going to be so needful, so applicable. And so, God, we, we ask your way. You would be exalted tonight and uh, give us something tonight of eternal value. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated this evening. And uh, we're going to focus here this evening on the latter portion of, uh, of this uh, section of Scripture. I uh, want you to, to look again with me, verses 10 through 12, where it reads, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you, shall say all manner of evil against you falsely, for my sake, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, 
For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Now that really uh, just seems so opposite of, of what we would think. Yeah? How, how many of you just long to be persecuted? You, you just, you, you beg for the Lord to allow you to go through persecution. It's not something that we look forward to. It's not something that we long for. It's not something that we really want. And yet the Lord said, blessed or happy, uh, blessed of God are those that are persecuted. And then he tells us to rejoice and be exceeding glad. Uh, that's something that only the Lord can work in the midst of our heart. As we read through the Gospels, it's evident that Jesus warned his disciples of persecution. And as you study the Word of God, the, the righteous have always suffered for their faith. He says, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 12. Uh, verse number 12 of this passage says, For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. As you study through the Old Testament, Old Testament saints suffered much for the cause of Jesus Christ. Uh, we know the first martyr was, was Abel. And Abel, for righteousness' sake, was martyred, killed by his own brother for his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we know that Abel offered to God a sacrifice that, that was pleasing. And we know that Cain was jealous of that sacrifice and jealous of the relationship that Abel had with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we read about Joseph. He's one of my favorite characters, Joseph and Daniel in the Word of God. We read of Joseph, that Joseph, really for righteousness' sake, was betrayed by his own brothers and sold into slavery. Uh, we read in the life of Moses. Moses was rejected by the people of God. And, and we read of, of a choice that Moses made, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25, uh, where the Bible says, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And Moses understood that sin could be pleasurable, but that pleasure of sin would soon come to an end. And so he made a choice. He would not compromise with Egypt, would not compromise with the world, but he would rather suffer affliction with the people of God. And, and he did so, as you read the life of Moses. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 35 through 38, the faith chapter of the Bible, we come to the end of that chapter, and it says, Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. We know of Isaiah, that Isaiah was sawed in half for preaching the gospel. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. And it was said that of many of these Old Testament saints that uh, they would sow a sheepskin, a wet sheepskin upon them and turn them out into the hot sun. And as that sheepskin would shrink and shrivel, it, it would literally suffocate them to death. And it was a slow, miserable death. Uh, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented of whom the world was not worthy, they wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. That was a picture of Old Testament saints. Then we come to the New Testament. As Jesus spoke to the apostles, New Testament saints were persecuted. So we know back in, in church history, all of the apostles, with the exception of John the Beloved, were martyred for their faith in Jesus Christ. 
We can go through some of the records of some of their lives. Thomas was slain with a dart in India. We know that Andrew was crucified in a region that is now known as Ethiopia. Matthew was killed with a spear. Philip was stoned to death. James, we read of him in the book of Acts, was arrested in the temple. He was slain by, by Herod. We know Peter was crucified upside down. Uh, only John the Apostle died as an old man. And yet John faced persecution. He was left on the Isle of Patmos for a period of time. We read in the book of Acts, chapter number 7 of Stephen. He was a martyr. He was stoned. And as we read of Stephen's life, his face shone as the face of an angel. And much as the Lord Jesus Christ, he looked upon those that uh, casting the stones upon him. And he said, Father, uh, forgive them. They, they don't know what they're doing. Uh, and uh, that was the heart uh, of Stephen. In Acts chapter 8, we read of a great persecution led by Saul against the church of Jerusalem. It says in verse number 1, Acts chapter 8, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. and They were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And verse number 3 reads, As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Then we know that later Saul was converted. We made mention of that uh, this morning on the road to Damascus. And, and just as he was zealous against the cause of Christ, he became zealous for the cause of Christ. And we know that Paul uh, spent much time in prison. He was eventually uh, beheaded in a Roman prison for preaching the gospel. Uh, the history of Christianity, it's a history of persecution. You can follow the history of Christianity. There's a trail of blood from century to century. In fact, uh, that's how we trace our Baptist heritage. Uh, you can trace this trail of blood. And you'll find that there, through the ages, have been churches that have been true to the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. There have been preachers true to the cause of Jesus Christ. And, and the cost has, has been much of the time their lives, their blood. Uh, we find that the freedoms that we've known in the United States of America, uh, we've been so blessed. Uh, the freedoms for the past 250 years, they, they've been unprecedented in history. What we have known in America has been very unusual, for you will find throughout the world until the United States of America uh, came into being that uh, wherever Christians uh, were, uh, they were persecuted, they were hated, they were mocked, they were laughed upon, and, and uh, the United States became a bastion of freedom, and we've had within our Constitution uh, this right to religious freedom, that Congress shall make no law uh, concerning that freedom, that you have the freedom to worship God according to the dictates of your heart. I'm a Baptist, and I believe in, in my convictions. I believe the Bible will make you a Baptist, and I, I'm a Baptist by conviction. Uh, I'm willing, and I, I believe that mul multitudes of our forefathers died for those convictions, those convictions of the Word of God. But may I say this tonight, if you don't want to be a Baptist, you have the freedom not to be a Baptist. If you don't want to be a Christian, you have that freedom. And, and, and I, I would die for your right to believe what you want to believe. And we've been blessed in the United States of America with this 
religious freedom that has been unprecedented. But I think multitudes of us are grieving right now for our nation and for the direction of our nation. This generation of Christians in America, I think, will be tested as no previous generation in America has been tested. Uh, there are things happening right now that I never dreamed of happening. We're experiencing a cancel culture today. If you speak against the system or you speak against the agenda of, of globalism today, uh, there's a, there are a lot of things that are happening right now that, uh, uh, that I, I don't agree with. And, and it's uh, where America has, uh, where, where I stand is where America stood in the past. And, and yet uh, for those convictions and those beliefs, uh, many are mocked and even fired from jobs and uh, segregated uh, away from the crowd. And uh, we've come to a day where right is wrong and, and wrong is right. A lot of conservative Christians are being removed today from the social media, from Twitter, from Facebook, from Instagram. And I read just this last week of a gentleman that simply posted some Bible verses. And his account was closed out because of those Bible verses. And see, that's unprecedented in the United States. And those freedoms that we've known. And if you study and you know some of the recent executive orders that have come down, it's really kind of pointing in a direction. The churches are headed for some difficult times if the Lord doesn't intervene. If you follow just this last week, the Equality Act, House Bill 5, uh, was passed in the House of Representatives, the U.S. House of Representatives. And uh, just uh, amazing. It's going to be an attack upon uh, conservative Christianity and conservative uh, churches. And uh, I happen to believe tonight that God made only two genders. I believe God made them male and female. They're not 57 genders as such. And, and uh, if you read that house bill, uh, it's just something coming down that we've never known and stood for in the United States of America. And so it just seems to point there are some things coming our direction that we need to buckle up and be ready for. But I want you to see this statement, blessed are the persecuted. Well, that makes no sense. But that's God's word. Happy. Blessed of God. When the persecution comes, it's kind of like my football coach used to say. He said, boys, we're going to, we're going to separate the men from the boys today. And it was kind of interesting that by the first two weeks of practice, a lot of the team quits. And uh, we'd get after that two weeks, and after several quit, uh, uh, the coach would finally pull up, and he says, now I've got the men. He said, I've got those that are going to stick it out. And, and so I, I believe there's going to come some testing, and in that testing, a lot of Christians are going to be discouraged. I'm thoroughly convinced that, that COVID has been a test, but I believe there's a greater test that's likely coming down the pike. And if you look at uh, what has happened with COVID, there are a lot of people that have been discouraged and driven away from the things of God, but there's a greater test likely coming. And you're going to have to buckle up and determine whose side you're on, who you're going to serve, who you're going to stand for, who do you belong to. And those that remain faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ during the difficult days will be greatly rewarded of the Lord. 
Now let's uh, just break this passage of Scripture down, and, and I give you three simple thoughts. Number one, the reasons for persecution. You look with me here in verse number 10. Uh, the first reason for persecution is what the Bible describes for righteousness' sake. He said, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Now, I want you to turn your Bibles. Uh, we'll come back here to, to the Gospel of Matthew. But turn your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter, chapter number 4. 1 Peter, chapter number 4. And read with me, beginning at verse number 12. Uh, 1 Peter, chapter 4, verse number 12. And it reads, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as so, though some strange thing happened unto you. In other words, uh, what the Lord is expressing is uh, when you're facing trials, it's not a strange thing. This has been the normal fare for Christians through the ages. He says in verse 13, But rejoice, inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part... He is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is, glory, is glorified. Now notice verse 15, he says, But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Now there's a difference between persecution and punishment. You see, we're punished... If we do wrong, when our actions are wrong, when our attitudes are wrong, uh, there are some punishments. Uh, we can expect, if, if you're God's child, you get away from the Lord, you're going to experience some chastening. That's not persecution. Uh, the Lord's going to spank you. The Lord's going to discipline you. Uh, the Lord will, will, if you still, if you lie, if you disobey, if you uh, get out of the will of God, uh, there, there's going to be some consequences of that, and, and rightfully so. But here the Bible is speaking of persecution that is the result of doing right. You see, Abel did right. He offered to God a blood sacrifice. And in the process of doing right, Abel suffered. He gave his life. Joseph did right. You read Genesis chapter 37, and you'll read of Joseph, he was loved by his father, and you'll read of Joseph that he walked with God, and you'll read of Joseph, he was sent by his father to check on his brothers, and he brought back to his father their evil report. And it's not that Joseph was gossiping, he was taken to their authority, uh, the, uh, the, the situation of the brothers, and, and Joseph, as a result, suffered for doing right. Now, when you live the Beatitudes, so interesting how all of this fits together. When you live the Beatitudes, it goes against the world. Uh, these attitudes that we're talking about, they're the opposite of the world. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the humble. That's the opposite of what the world would teach. Uh, blessed are the meek. That's the opposite of what the world would teach. And so on as we go through these Beatitudes. Uh, it's like walking on a narrow road 
and all the rest of the world is going against the grain. You're walking the opposite direction from everyone else. And you'll, you'll find that compromising Christians are not persecuted, but it's those Christians who walk the attitudes. It's those Christians who walk the talk. It's those Christians who live wholeheartedly for the Lord. It's those Christians that take a stand. It's those Christians that, like Moses, will not compromise with Egypt. It's those Christians often that go against the grain that are going to face persecution. Again, we talked about the cancel culture. And I think that we're coming to some days where what you believe is the opposite of the direction this world is headed. I told my wife, I don't feel like I fit in this world anymore. There are things that are happening today. It, it, it just, I don't fit anymore. I, I don't think like the world is thinking anymore. The, the Word of God is so opposite the direction that this world is wanting to take. And friend, when you live for Jesus Christ, you're going to be different. When you live for Jesus Christ, you're going to be light in the midst of darkness. See, I believe a Christian, when you go to work, ought to have a work ethic. Uh, we live in a lazy world. I've seen Christians who brought conviction because they were not lazy like the rest of the workers around them. They wanted to make use of their time, and they did their very best, and sometimes it would show up others before the boss, and it's not the Christian that intended to show them up, but he was just simply not doing eye service. He was serving as unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, when you live purity, you're going to be different. Uh, young person, uh, when you take a stand and you say, I'm going to wait for sexual involvement till I get married, you're going to go against the grain. You're going to be in the minority. But I got news for you. There are still some young people that are doing that. There are still some young people that belong to Jesus Christ. There are still some young people that have said like Joseph, I can't do that with Potiphar's wife because I belong to God. And when you take that stand, you're very likely going to be mocked by those of your classmates, and they're not going to understand the steps and the stand that you take. When you choose to live a life of integrity, honesty, uh, when you speak out against wrong, and I think about the company manager of, of an oil ship off the coast of Florida, and he was asked to give some kickbacks to another company. And he said, I can't do it. I'm a Christian. That would be wrong for me to give the kickbacks. And as a result, he lost the business. But the fact of it was is because he did right, the other company that gave the kickbacks was caught by the government. And that leader, that manager was imprisoned. And all of the business went to the Christian then who chose to do right. You see, you're going to go against the current. And it's going to cost you. In John 15, verse number 19, Jesus said, If you were of the world, the world would love his own, but because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Uh, the world really thrives on conformity. Uh, the world cannot tolerate differences. That's where the cancel culture comes from today. Uh, the world doesn't want somebody to stand against it. It can't thrive on differences. And so you'll be persecuted for righteousness sake. That's what Jesus mentioned. Now go back to Matthew 5. There's the second reason for persecution. Verse number 11. He said, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you 
and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. Notice this statement, for my sake. And so you're persecuted for his name's sake. As you read the Gospels, the world hated Jesus. The world despised him. The world rejected him, refused him, mocked him, arrested him, and crucified him. Hard to believe. Here's the God of the universe. Here's the one that spoke the world into being. Here's the one that created everything from nothing. Here's the one that is perfect in love. Here's the one that because he so loved the world, he left the glory of heaven. That very one was hated by the world. That's hard to believe. He could be so despised so as to be crucified, put upon a cross. That's cancel culture. See, the world rejected Jesus. The way of the world dealing with Jesus was to put him upon a cross to, to get rid of him. But praise God, they couldn't get rid of him because up from the grave, he would arise. You see, you can't get God off of your hands. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't run from him. You can't hide him from him. You can't escape him. You can't get away from God in this world that so hated and despised and rejected Jesus Christ could not escape him. John chapter 15, verses 21 through 24. He says, But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none of the men did, they had not had sin. But now they have both seen and hated both me and my father. See, a world that rejected Christ will reject those that belong to Christ. That's the reasons for persecution. Now back in Matthew chapter 5, there's a second thought tonight. Our response to persecution. How you react is very crucial. I, I look here in chapter 5, verse number 10. He said, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I believe our, our first reaction should be simply this. We should trust. We're not to respond like the world. When the world is despised, uh, they retaliate. The response of the world is, they hurt me, I'm going to hurt them. They attack me, I'm going to attack them. They speak words against me, I'll speak words against them. Do you ever hear children get into a name-calling contest? Uh, Booger Man, Snake Lips, Turtle Feet, Weirdo. And they get into a name-calling contest. That's what the world does. And that name-calling contest, I've seen it happen, and it escalates and escalates, and then there's madness and anger. See, God's children are to live on a higher level. King David, he was pursued by Saul. He had an opportunity to take the life of Saul, but he refused. He trusted his case to God. And many of the Psalms are penned in David's trust to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
We mentioned Joseph. He had the opportunity to repay his brothers. And yet Joseph refused to do so. Instead, he trusted God. You meant it to me for evil. God meant it for good. Jesus willingly laid down his life when he was reviled. He reviled not again. That was the heart. That was the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go to Romans for just a moment, chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, you speak of, of trusting your case into the hands of God. That's what Paul speaks to the church here at Rome. Romans 12, the latter part of this chapter, verse 17. Romans 12, verse 17. Reads, recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible... As much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. And, and, and later we'll deal with that. And we've said that we are to be peacemakers. But you'll notice here, if possible, and there are times that in the world and dealing with the world, uh, that's not possible. But he says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So when somebody calls you snake lips, you don't have to call them turtle feet, but you can respond with good, with kindness, with grace. He calls you snake lips, uh, go get a, uh, one of those uh, gummy snakes. Give him a gummy snake. Make him feel good. We should trust. Now go back to chapter 5, verse number 12. We should rejoice. This is hard. How do we respond? He says, rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Rejoice. We read a moment ago, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 14, If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he's evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. And we read of the apostles in Acts chapter 5 verse 41. They departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were worthy or counted worthy to suffer for his name's sake. So here the Bible is exhorting us our response to persecution ought to be rejoicing. I thought about this. How can we rejoice? Well, we rejoice for the privilege. You say the privilege. Well, the disciples count, considered it a privilege to suffer for Jesus' sake. It was a badge of honor. Uh, it was a badge of honor to be a part of the company of God's blood-purchased children. Uh, they were persecuted. They were identified with the prophets of old, the men like Jeremiah that were cast into the dungeon for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, the multitudes of Old Testament saints that were martyred, they, they considered it a privilege to be identified with the very one that went to the cross and gave his life for them. So we rejoice for the privilege. And we can rejoice in the fellowship. Uh, Paul wrote in Philippians 3, verse number 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings. You'll find a Paul the Apostle that it seemed just the times that he faced the greatest persecution it was the times that the Lord most uh, infiltrated his life with his presence. I read of Paul in Acts chapter 16, imprisoned, beaten, and yet at the midnight hour rejoicing, singing praises to the Lord. 
the Lord delivered he and Silas out of that prison and we know of the jailer that was saved. And See, Paul found the Lord to be close to him in prison and in shipwreck and in rejection. The Lord made his presence known. The three Hebrew children, they were thrown into the fiery furnace because they would not bow before the golden image. And yet as they are in that fiery furnace, Nebuchadnezzar looks into the midst of the furnace and he said, did not we cast three into the furnace? How then are there four? And he says, the fourth is like unto the Son of God. In the midst of that furnace, the three Hebrews found the presence of Jesus Christ. David in the Psalms, when he was persecuted, wrote of the presence of Jesus. Psalm 23, verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. The presence of Jesus. I've told the story of the preacher. This was years ago. He was cast into prison for preaching the gospel. He was asked to recant his faith in the Lord Jesus. He refused to do so. He was told that the very next day he would be burned at the stakes. A friend came to visit him at the prison late that night. and uh, He had, been, uh, had a candle in his prison cell. and He would run his finger over that candle and uh, it would hurt, it would burn. And he said, boy, I don't know if I can do this tomorrow. I don't know if I can go to the stake, and I don't know that I can glorify the Lord. And his friend expressed to him, God will give you the grace when that time comes. And the next day, this man was taken to the stake. He was asked at last time to recant his faith, and he says no. And he began to sing of the amazing grace of Jesus Christ. He was burned at the stake, and it was stated that his face shone like Stephen, like the face of an angel. In his dark hour, he found the presence of Jesus Christ to be real. And we can rejoice in the presence of the Lord. We can rejoice because of the opportunity of witness. See, when God's children are squeezed, what ought to come out of our heart is the sweet fragrance of Jesus Christ ought to be manifest. That's what happened to Stephen. He was stoned. His face shone as the face of an angel. The very presence of Jesus would shine through the life of Stephen. I believe with all of my heart that Saul was converted to Jesus Christ because of the testimony of Stephen. The Bible is very clear. They laid their garments at the feet of one named Saul. I don't think Saul ever got over the presence of Jesus Christ in the heart and the life of Stephen. I think Saul saw something in Stephen that he did not have. You see, Saul was zealous and he was religious, but he did not have Jesus. But he saw Jesus in Stephen, and he never got over it. It was the persecution of Stephen that opened the door to the salvation of Saul. We can rejoice in the persecution. If you've ever, don't do this, but if you've ever seen a grease fire, I've seen it happen, don't throw water on a grease fire. Because if you throw water on a grease fire, it will scatter that fire. That's what persecution does to the gospel. 
It's like throwing water on the grease fire. It, it simply spreads the word of God. And you will find in countries where persecution has been more severe, that Christianity has been so real, and it has drawn multitudes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know right now the greatest revival in our world is taking place in Muslim countries? <laughs> multitudes are being converted to Jesus Christ in Muslim countries knowing that it could mean their life. They mean business. And so we rejoice because of the witness. And then we rejoice because of the growth. Don't like it, but this is the way it works. God grows his children through trials. Psalm 119, verse 67, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. Psalm 119, verse 71, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. What the psalmist expressed is through the afflictions, through the difficulties that I grew in my Christian life. I'll just give you a couple of scriptures. Go to the book of James, chapter 1. That's, that's what James is expressing. See, it's persecution, it's affliction, temptations, trials that mold you to the image of Jesus Christ. James 1, verse number 2, reads, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. How many of you need patience? Uh, don't pray for it, because the Lord will give you trials. Lord, I need patience, and I need it right now. It's going to be a trial. He says, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. He states in verse 12, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. You turn forward to 1 Peter chapter number 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. We read, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now, I'll just make a statement here. I believe one of the greatest things that could happen to Christianity in America is for Christians to face persecution. Because that will determine the real from the false. That will separate the men from the boys. That will build and mold the people of God to the image of Jesus Christ, preparing us for the return of Jesus Christ. So what do we do? How do we respond to persecution? We trust in the Lord. We rejoice. And then finally, go back to Matthew chapter 5. How do we respond? We love. Look in verse 44, Matthew 5. Verse 44, but I say unto you, love your enemies. Boy, don't you like that? Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good unto them that hate you. 
and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. See, Christ is the great example of this. We were enemies to the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet He loved us despite us. And from the cross, He cried, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know, somebody says, well, Pastor, it tells me, pray for them which despitefully use you. And so I, I pray for them, Father, send fire upon them and show them how much they hurt me. I pray for them in that way. Get them back for me. And sometimes we're like that. But what the Lord is expressing is you love them, you pray for them, you do good for them, you minister to them. You know, sometimes we're like Jonah, enemy of Nineveh. God sent Jonah to preach the gospel to Nineveh, and Jonah did not want to. Those were his enemies. He wanted them destroyed. He didn't want them saved. See, our desire ought to be that through our prayers, we can see the Nebuchadnezzars called upon the name of Jesus Christ. We can see the Lord work in the heart of the king. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. It's rivers of water. He moveth it whithersoever he will. Can you imagine? What if God's people banded together and Biden got saved? What if Kamala Harris got saved? Nebuchadnezzar got saved? Don't you think we ought to pray that God would work mightily? glorify his name if you read Psalm 109 David prayed for his enemies Psalm 55 David prayed for those that betrayed him hurt him see David loved them despite their treatment of him the reasons for persecution is for righteousness sake for his name's sake the response to persecution we ought to trust the Lord uh, we ought to love our enemies we ought to pray for the enemies and we ought to rejoice in the midst of persecution. Back to Matthew chapter 5, I'll wrap this up. The rewards of persecution. Uh, there are present rewards. Verse number 10, he said, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And, and I think this uh, would speak of in our present life, present rewards, blessed of the Lord. Uh, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Spiritual riches in this life. It's through the persecution that God often gives His presence and His fellowship, as we mentioned of David and of Paul. It's through the persecution that we often find the power of God in a way that we would have never known it otherwise. It's often through the persecution, like Paul in prison, that the power of God rests upon us to be a powerful testimony. It's many times through the persecution that God gives us wisdom and spiritual growth. And so there are those present rewards and present blessings. Look in chapter 5 of, of Matthew, verse number 12. There are future rewards. He said, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Romans chapter 8, verse 18, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. We sing the song, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Now, we have said this many times here recently. I believe the next major event is going to be the rapture. God's children taken home. It's evident after the rapture this world's going to face a severe judgment. But I think the greatest revival the world has ever known is going to actually take place during the tribulation. I'd like you to, to close with me going to the book of, of Revelation. 
And if you go with me to Revelation chapter number 6, Revelation chapter 6, this is in the midst of the tribulation. And it's evident, we know in the tribulation, 144,000 Jewish witnesses, 12,000 from every tribe. Uh, I had a, a man say to me one time, well, that's not possible because we no longer have the records of the tribes, and so how would we know? Well, I tell you this, God knows. He knows every uh, child of his, he knows every background, and he'll raise the witnesses, and multitudes will be saved during the tribulation. I want you to read beginning at verse number 9, Revelation 6. And he says, And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. And so here is uh, that tribulation uh, martyrdom uh, to trust Christ in the tribulation almost going to be a certain death sentence and multitudes will be slain for their faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, turn forward to Revelation chapter 14 and verse number 12. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Great will be the reward in heaven. You could move forward to Revelation chapter 19, and you can see at the return of the Lord Jesus Christ that great reward. And then in chapter 21 and chapter 22, moving into eternity with streets of gold and gates of pearl and Jesus Christ, the light and the glory of heaven. Great is the reward. And it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. The reasons for persecution, the response to persecution, and the rewards of persecution. I think these verses are very applicable to where we're headed as a nation, and as a world. I think it's never before, Christian, buckle up. Got some exciting days ahead. Be kind of neat if the Lord had just come right now and put an end to it all before we enter into this, but it just seems to me as I read the Bible, uh, the longer the Lord tarries and puts off His coming, I think the harder and the greater will be the trials of God's children. So you better know whose team you're on. Where you're going to stand. What would it take to get you away from Jesus Christ? We're going to see the men separated from the boys. Or the boys separated from the men. And maybe we could say the girls from the women. We're going to see real Christianity put into play. Let's bow our heads.